0: Thank you, Mr. President. We'll quote you on the floor of the Senate. <laughs> a lot of giddy Democrats today for some reason. He's not really a Democrat, though. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm just scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how i get down the stairs. To the, left of me, to the right here I am stuck in the middle with you yep. yes, I'm stuck in the middle with From Pacifica Radio you. in Los Angeles This oh, yeah, is the broadcast as heard on KPFK right. 90.7 it's FM, it's FM. FM in LA in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on 94.1 FM WGRN, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Very excited. Got a big show coming up uh, with uh, with an election. I always love speaking with election officials, and this is a brand-new election official. So I will look forward to from, I'll give you, from Phoenix, Arizona. Oh. Yes, I know. Uh, I'll get to more on that in a moment. Uh, also, that uh, O oh, you heard was <laughs> Desi Doyan. You'll be back with us uh, in a bit with yes. the Green News Report. A lot of very, a lot of very good news. I was going to say surprisingly good news, but...
1: Well, uh, these days, any good news is, surprising. is kind of surprising. It's not You're all right. good news, but we tried.
0: Well, in this case, renewable energy moving forward, no matter how Donald Trump tries to undermine it, uh, largely because it's, you know, cleaner, ultimately cheaper, and it's creating tons of jobs. Um, so some good news on all of that coming up, as dark as things may be of late. Uh, speaking of things being dark... Uh, <laughs> Well, Bernie Sanders has finally found something to thank Donald Trump for <laughs> uh, in a uh, in a press avail on Thursday with Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Shortly after passage of the Republican health care scam in the U.S. House, Donald Trump made some comments about health care that MSNBC's uh, uh, Chris Hayes uh, played for Bernie Sanders. Uh, Here's Trump's comment and Sanders' reaction.
2: It's a very good bill right now. The premiums are going to come down very substantially. The deductibles are going to come down. It's going to be fantastic health
0: care. Right now, Obamacare is failing. We have a failing health care. I shouldn't say this
1: to our great gentleman or my friend from Australia because you have better health care than we do. They do have, (laughs) they have universal health, I
0: I know, I thought you would. Oh, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, Chris. All right, the President has just said it. That's great. Let's take a look at the Australian health care system. And let's move. Maybe once I look at the Canadian health system or systems throughout Europe. Thank you, Mr. President. Let us move to a Medicare for all system that does what every other major country on earth does. Guarantee health care to all people at a fraction of the cost per capita that we spend. Thank you, Mr. President. We'll quote you on the floor of the Senate. So Bernie Sanders very happy about that, that Trump cited uh, Australia, which does have uh, government funded health care, at least for doctors visits. Everyone is required to buy, I think, private insurance. But, but they have a Public universal. Yes. Well, they have universal uh, coverage. Yeah, for everyone. Everyone in Australia is is covered now. Uh, d- Democrats have been a mix of of despondent and delighted since that vote yesterday in the U.S. House, which barely passed. Uh, that Republicans barely passed without a single Democratic vote, and some twenty Republicans voting against for this new Republican health care plan, which. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office had said would knock 24 million Americans off of the uh, health care coverage rolls. That was back in March. That was before they made the uh, made the bill even worse, frankly, in order to get passage by uh, Republicans in the House. The bill still has to go to the Senate, uh, which is going to be probably much harder. But uh, in the wake of that passage, the uh, on Thursday, the Cook Political, Re- Political Report on Friday changed its ratings for some 20 House seats, predicting the Democrats' odds of winning those uh, seats, those U.S. House districts, has increased now that the House Republicans have passed their bill to repeal Obamacare. The uh, Dave Wasserman, Cook Political Report's uh, Dave Wasserman wrote in a post explaining the ratings changes that although it's the first of potentially many explosive votes, House Republicans' willingness to spend political capital on a proposal that garnered the support of just 17 percent of the public in a March Quinnipiac poll is consistent with past scenarios that have generated a midterm wave election. Wasserman says not only did dozens of Republicans in marginal districts just hitch their names to an unpopular piece of legislation, Democrats just received another valuable candidate recruitment tool with that vote. He wrote that for some Republicans, backing the uh, American Health Care Act is, quote, unequivocal political risk. Cook Political Report moved three districts from leaning Republican to now toss ups, 11 districts from likely Republican to leaning Republican and six districts from solid Republican to leaning Republican. So there's a ways to go. But things, at least according to Cook, if you believe them, things are moving in the Democrats direction. Nonetheless, uh, Sarah Kenzior, a, a political writer at The Globe and Mail, and, uh, and I think she also writes for Quartz, said that the, uh, the bill, the Republican health care bill, is devastating in its own right, but also ominous. You don't pass something this unpopular thinking there will be free and fair elections. She says when you flaunt disregard for the for for the public uh, for public will this blatantly, you're assuming the public will. Is irrelevant and that you have a lock through corruption. Now, I don't know if she's right about that, but all of these uh, many, many giddy Democrats, uh, they actually sang uh, na 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 hey hey goodbye yesterday on the floor after the uh, Republicans passed the bill. Um, All of these giddy Democrats uh, may need to be much more careful. They think they have now a chance to take back the House of Representatives in 28, and perhaps they do. But of course, that's only if Democrats are allowed to vote and to have their votes counted as cast, which is why we cover so much of what we cover on this show. And that's just one of the reasons that Republicans are working so hard to keep Democratic leaning voters from being able to vote at all as we so often report on this program and at bradblog.com. On that front, our legal analyst Ernie Canning today has a piece up on yesterday's federal court ruling mandating that Georgia must allow new voter registrations for the upcoming June 20th U.S. House special election between Democrat John Ossoff and Republican Karen Handel. Uh, They must allow for new registrations all the way through May 21st. The state had tried to say, the Republican secretary of state there had tried to say that only voter registrations um, that were done in time for the primary election back in April, only those folks could then vote in the runoff in June. A federal court has now found otherwise on Thursday. So new voters in the 6th congressional district in Atlanta will be able to participate in the runoff to fill the seat left vacant by Congressman Tom Price. Uh, He's now Trump's Secretary of Health and Human Services, and we'll talk about that Georgia 6th District uh, election much more on an upcoming show, promise. But the point is, while many Democrats' uh, chances may have just improved with the House passage of the wildly unpopular American Health Care Act to gut Obamacare, if voters are not allowed to vote, even in so-called red states like Georgia, perhaps especially in so-called red states like Georgia or like Arizona, as we'll discuss momentarily, uh, if voters can't vote, things may not get much better for Democrats. Remember all of the problems that occurred during, for example, the presidential primary in Phoenix last year? Remember that when precincts were shut down and, and voters were forced to stand online line for hours? Well, that's not the only concern in states like Arizona. So we'll take a quick break here uh, and come back with the brand new chief election official in Maricopa County. That's Phoenix, the state's largest county. Uh, That uh, chief election official has recently found tens of thousands of voter registration forms in a dusty warehouse for otherwise perfectly legal voters. Voters who were never entered onto the rolls under his Republican predecessor that he just re- replaced. She had the job for more than 30 years. Maricopa County's recorder Adrian Fontes joins us to talk about all of that and more on the broadcast coming up next. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Take off your boat shoes. Yeah. Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. We will get to Arizona shortly, but to get there, we have to start in Kansas. Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach announced another voter fraud conviction on Wednesday, this time in the case of a, a man who he said voted in both Kansas and Texas. The most recent voter fraud conviction is the ninth for Kobach, who has been the state secretary of state since 2011. It's the ninth that he has obtained since he was given the power to prosecute voter fraud in the state, according to a release from his office. This conviction demonstrates once again how prevalent the crime of double voting is. Kobach said he uh, ran with the slogan, by the way, stop voter fraud back in 2010. In his statement, he said, In Kansas, we are making it clear that people who willfully vote twice will be prosecuted. Of course, many of those found to vote twice during the same election in two different states often do so because they think they're allowed to. For example, someone who owns a a house in both Kansas and Colorado may believe they're entitled to vote in both states, particularly when they vote for different candidates in different elections in each Nonetheless, it's a crime, though uh, hardly the epidemic that Kobach, a Republican, seems to have been referring to when he ran for office on the Stop Voter Fraud slogan. And more recently, when he backed Donald Trump's unfounded claim that millions of people voted illegally in last year's presidential election. Kobach has been advising Trump on both voting and immigration issues for some time. Kobach's long-held claims that voters were impersonating others to vote for them at the precinct or that there was an epidemic of non-citizens voting are so far... Without evidence, to put it nicely. In fact, Kobach's own lack of prosecutions would seem to underscore that. Steve Zorowitz noted recently following Kobach's announcement this week that his nine convictions out of at least 4.4 million votes total cast in Kansas since 2012 means that the voter fraud rate in Kansas is now 0.0002 percent. There are nearly two million registered voters in the uh, in the state of Kansas as of March. State uh, Rep. John Carmichael, a Democrat from Wichita, questioned whether it was worth whether it was a worthwhile use of taxpayer money to have a full legal staff over there and only find eight or nine violations to prosecute. Carmichael said either it's not happening to the degree that the Secretary of State imagines, or he and his staff are wasting the taxpayers' money. Now, we've covered Kobach quite a bit here on the Bradcast and at Bradblog.com over the years, in particular, his attempt to keep voters off the rolls if they fail to include proof of citizenship documents when registering to vote in Kansas. While state law in Kansas now requires such proof with new registrations, Kobach has lost in virtually every court appearance defending the provision and his attempt to keep voters off the rolls, particularly when they use the federal voter registration form that does not include a notice that Kansas voters must include proof of citizenship in order to be registered to vote. Federal courts all the way to the Supreme Court have blocked Kobach's efforts, keeping tens of thousands of Kansans off the roll, off the rolls for lack of citizenship documents submitted with their voter registrations. But Kansas is not the only state to have such a requirement for newly registered voters. Even if Kobach's activism has earned him uh, the most notice, perhaps, in the nation, negative notice, I should add, Arizona, a state where Kobach had also helped draft the objectionable, uh, objectionable Papers, Please legislation that put people who appeared to be immigrants at risk of arrest, a measure that was also, by the way, rejected in part by the U.S. Supreme Court. Arizona also has a requirement for proof of citizenship with new voter registrations. Now, we had been uh, closely following The election challenge to uh, longtime Maricopa County, Arizona, that's Phoenix, uh, Maricopa County's longtime chief election official, county recorder Helen Purcell, last year. Uh, We were following that closely uh, when something happened on November 8th, uh, specifically the election of Donald Trump, that sort of distracted us from uh, some of the local races we'd been following. In fact, Purcell... A Republican who had been the county recorder for 30 years actually lost her race to Democrat Adrian Fontes last November, following the controversial presidential primary you may remember last year in Phoenix, where hundreds of precincts had been shut down and lines to vote stretched for hours in many locations. After taking office, Fontes recently discovered Tens of thousands of voter registration forms in, quote, dusty boxes in a county warehouse, according to the Arizona Republic newspaper. The paper reports that Fontes discovered up to 100,000 state issued voter registration forms that employees had apparently filed for more than a decade without saving the information in the voter database. Staffers explained that the applicants had failed to provide proof of citizenship with those registrations. Proposition 200 in Arizona passed by voters there back in 2004 requires aspiring voters to submit a passport, a birth certificate, a naturalization number, tribal membership or a driver's license obtained after 1996 in order to participate in elections. The paper notes that when proof is missing on a state issued voter form, the law requires county recorders, like Fontes, to send reminder letters to applicants. And if there is no response, recorders reject the applications and take no further action. Fontes is now taking further action. He is going through all of those old registrations to try and confirm on his own whether the voter is a citizen with the right to vote in Maricopa County elections. That, even as critics charge that he is uh, doing so in violation of state law. Maricopa County, Arizona's new county recorder, Adrian Fontes, uh, is an Arizona native, a U.S. Marine, attorney, and former prosecutor with both the Maricopa County Attorney's Office as well as the Arizona Attorney General's Office. He now joins us to discuss all of this and more. Adrian Fontes, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
2: How are you? Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, the invite.
0: Well, I appreciate you joining us. So first, congrats on the new job, and thank you, by the way, for stepping up to it. Uh, and this, uh, and on this issue, covering these, uh, these tens of thousands of registrations, uh, the Arizona Republic... Reports that there could be some 58,000 registrations uh, amongst those uh, amongst those forms for perfectly legal citizens, but who were rejected uh, as found in those dusty boxes of your unprocessed forms. Is that true? 58,000 otherwise legal voters?
2: Um, Unfortunately, that number is actually going to go up a little bit. so right now, I can I, let me give you a little bit of background on this, and we'll get to the, the kind of the numbers. So sure. So as I was coming into the office, I wanted to go to each of the different departments: the elections department, our mapping services, the recording side, and then the voter registration, which is a recording function. It's not part of the elections department uh, under state law. And uh, I went and talked to the recording folks. And I says, "Okay, somebody registers. What do we do with it? Right? We send in a form and." And so what we have here after Prop 200 and after all the court challenges and so forth is a bifurcated registration system in Arizona where you can register with a state form, you can register with a federal form. Mm -hmm. You can also register online at Service Arizona uh, website, which is hooked into the Motor Vehicle Division. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what ends up happening is we had a policy in this office that uses what I consider to be a misread of state law Uh, a very, very strict construction of of literal Mm -hmm. uh, kind of state law that excludes some parts of state law that says that, you know, if you get get a federal form, it gets treated differently than a state form. It gets treated differently than signing up online. So Mm -hmm. in any event, what we ended up finding was that this policy had been applied, and it's been applied in other counties in Arizona, and it continues to be applied in some places, which I think eventually that's going to change. Um, And what happened was, let's say you came to register with a state form. You didn't put your driver's license number in that state form, right, Mm -hmm. the little box. Right. Well, Arizona Revised Statute 16-166, for those of you that are looking, paragraph (laughs) F, uh, says that if you don't have accompanying proof of citizenship that the form is to be rejected. But if you look to the second sentence in that very same paragraph and then subparagraph 1, and you read the whole thing together, Mm -hmm. which is kind of how the law is intended to be read, then basically what you have is a circumstance where the voter has already proven citizenship to the motor vehicle division. And so by not filling in that blank, uh, let's say you're at an arts festival or you're somewhere out and about that you don't have your driver's license with you and you go to register, there's a bunch of people out there registering voters. If you don't happen to memorize your driver's license number, you don't fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. then the read that was happening says that the county recorders to reject the form. <clears throat> My read is, if you've already proven to the state of Arizona that you're a citizen, then you should be allowed to vote.
0: And, and um, when you say, just to clarify, when you say you've already proven it, this, you've already proven it to the state because you went and got a driver's license, and during that process you, you were able to demonstrate that you were, in fact, a citizen?
2: That's exactly right. During our, our Papers, Please phase uh, in Arizona, yep. um, which uh, thankfully, well, hopefully is no more, but the the remnants of that keep bubbling up here and there. We had a period of time where Arizona passed a bunch of laws, lots of which lost, Um, some of which people are like, okay, whatever. But at the MVD right now, to go get a driver's license, uh, you can take with you your proof of citizenship, your birth certificate, passport, whatever other documents you have, they will take that and then they'll issue you a driver's license now if you have that documentation mvd's process and procedures scan the document into their database mm-hmm. and then if you have that they check a little box and it says proof of citizenship presented right right And so you've already proven to the state at motor vehicle division that you're a citizen and so if you later go vote or if you later go register to vote in my view you've already proven that you're a citizen and you're good to go. But here's the other thing. Yeah. So, so what if you don't check the box or, or, or if you don't have your driver's license up there if you've already proven it to the state, right? Mm-hmm. In my view, this fundamental right for, for the government, like me, to take it away, there must be some due process, right?
0: That, you would think. That kind of makes sense. You would think.
2: Right. But here's the ironic part about this mm-hmm. and the really kind of laughable part about the folks that are criticizing me. If you didn't fill out a state form, but you filled out a federal form, right? And you brought that form to my office. There isn't a box for the driver's license number to be filled in
0: uh, on the fe- on a, the on the federal form. There's on the no box, form. right?
2: There is on the state form, and not on the federal mm-hmm. form. And on the federal form, I have a mandate in the procedures to go check against the motor vehicle division. And if the little proof of citizenship has been presented, box shows up on our database, which is MVD's database. Mm-hmm then I register you as a full-blown voter up and down the entire ballot. Now, why do we have a federal form? We have a federal form because after the court challenges, uh, the Supreme Court and everybody else said, you can't force people to bring in their proof of citizenship, the fact that they're swearing under penalty of perjury that they're over 18 and a citizen, and they sign it, that's enough for them to preserve their right to vote as U.S. citizens, so be it, and they get to vote in federal elections.
0: And and that's... that that's the case. Just to break in, this was the uh, I think it was the 2013 Supreme Court ruling uh-huh. with uh, with my uh-huh. good friend uh, Chris Kobach. Uh, Arizona was a party to that case as well, and the Supreme Court basically said, "Look, there is no currently, there is no box to check off on the federal form. Therefore, you can't deny voters the right uh, to vote because they didn't check the box and they didn't include the uh, you know the, the, the proof of citizenship." But, yeah.
2: But moreover, yeah. There's a mandate in the procedures manual promulgated under a Republican secretary of state that mandates that the recorders go directly to the motor vehicle division on -hmm. the federal form and check for citizenship.
0: So if you get a form, a federal form that also doesn't have the information uh, that would be required, you're required to go see if you can figure out, if you can confirm if that's a citizen, but if the state form, if somebody files uh, to, to vote with the state form, there is no such requirement. Not only is there not a requirement, but uh, as uh, Joe uh, Canefield, Republican election attorney, he was apparently the election director back when Prop 200 was was adopted. He said uh, that if the voter registration form is received and does not contain evidence of citizenship, the registrar shall reject it. He believes the right. law is very clear there.
2: Right. Well, I know, I, I, and I understand what he believes. And by the way, Joe Cainfield is a friend of mine. He's mm-hmm. actually a nice guy. Right. Um, we disagree on some, some stuff. But here's the irony of this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. The attorney general of the state of Arizona who went and argued for Prop 200 at the United States Supreme Court, his name is Tom Horn. He came out yesterday and said that what I'm doing is reasonable and appears to comply with the spirit of the law. So, And he's a Republican. Right. And he's a very staunch Republican, by the way. Well, so be- what I have with me is yeah. a plain language read of the entire statute, not just one sentence, mm-hmm. an understanding of a citizen's fundamental right and that it should not be taken away without due process of law. That's kind of common sense anyway any it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Right? And I also have individual citizens who, on a state form, will come to me and say, I'm over 18, I'm a United States citizen, and I'm signing under penalty of perjury that I'd like to be on the voter rolls. Why in the world would anyone not want me to go check with MVD and say, lo and behold, the Motor Vehicle Division of the state of Arizona has on file a document proving that this person's a citizen. I will therefore register you to vote. Why would anybody oppose that?
0: I, I, I don't know. Uh, apparently, uh, some do. Kanefield, uh does. Others have uh, expressed concerns about this. And, and before I... Because I want to ask you how some of the other uh, county recorders are responding to this I- issue. But I'm no attorney. You are. I'm not. Uh, but when I look at this and I see that, you know, people are registering to vote two different ways. With that federal form via the National Voter Registration Act and with this, or with the state form.
2: Oh, wait, it gets better. Yeah. There's three different ways. What's the third? The third is you go on to Service Arizona. Ah. Service Arizona is a website mm-hmm. that the Secretary of State has up. And guess what? Service Arizona will automatically go to the Motor Vehicle Division, and if there's a hard match, <laughs> it'll register you up and down the entire ballot as well. <laughs> so something that the state does right. automatically on its own website, you've got people telling me that I'm barred from doing now, if that's not the epitome of craziness, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, it kind of is. Here's where I was going with that question, though. Uh, with, with the well, two now three different ways to register. Register, but uh, isn't there? Isn't this an equal protection issue? If this, in other words, if one person registers with the federal oh, you, form and the uh, other you one may not be the a, state?
2: you may not be a lawyer, but you sir are a well-informed citizen.
0: Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, so you agree? That's a. a, a I mean, it makes no sense on its, on its face, but it does seem to be an equal protection issue that somebody ought to be getting to court and, I guess, suing in favor of changing rather than going after you.
2: Well, I don't think there's any reason to go to court and sue to change because I don't think I'm misreading the law. Right. And I don't think that I'm misreading the spirit of the law, and I don't think I'm misunderstanding the basic common-sense idea that United States citizens, if they ask to vote, ought to be allowed to vote. So I don't really think we need to get the courts involved. I think the critics out there ought to just take a half a step back, take a deep breath, and consider very carefully the ramifications of their own weird bent (laughs) and understanding of the United States Constitution and the laws of the state of Arizona. What they're saying is that because we want you to, you ought to stop U.S. citizens from voting. When you government agent, meaning me, have every capacity to guarantee this constitutional right to these citizens. It's just nutty. I don't understand the logic. Uh, I don't understand the way that they're reading it. And I have yet to find anyone other than Joe Cainfield who's come out and willing to publicly say, I don't think United States citizens should be allowed to vote. Because they're going to have to say that.
0: And yet the Arizona Recorder, uh, I'm sorry, the Arizona Republic, the newspaper, uh, suggests you could be sued if you were sued or challenged in court. Actually, who would be suing you? Has the Secretary of State uh, responded to this issue, to to what you're trying to do there in Maricopa, either favorably or negatively? Interesting,
2: though. There's an interesting thing going on there. Yeah. You see, the the procedures manual has... Uh, the, the, the Secretary of State has this procedures manual for elections, right? and in it they've, they prescribe procedures for a bunch of different stuff and following laws and so on and so forth. Well, there's a new draft that came out, and the draft coming from Michelle Reagan, the, the Secretary of State, mm-hmm. and her elections director, Eric Spencer, flatly prohibits the county recorder from going and verifying the citizenship of an individual Who's attempting to register to vote? It the says you, main,
0: has you may specific not
2: specific language that? that says shall not.
0: But that's not law. That's the guidance. That's well in and the election it's also procedure. A, right? It's
2: also just a draft, right? But you know, they 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 do that in the draft, and then publicly, I, I read a story yesterday yeah. uh, in the Republic that says that that they're like, oh no, we didn't put that anywhere. We're not blah 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 blah. But see, they're <laughs> double backing now because. They're having their conversations over there, and people are saying, even a guy like Tom Horn is saying, gosh, even though this guy's a Democrat, it sounds like he's doing something constitutional that helps U.S. citizens.
0: Goodness. Well, that would be nice. What What are the other uh, county recorders? I know Maricopa County is the largest county in the state, but what there's uh, a number of other county recorders, both Republican and Democratic. What are they doing? I mean, this law has been Prop Prop 200 has been the law since 2004. Have any of the other uh, recorders done this over the years, or are they doing it now, trying to actually take the effort on their own? to confirm the citizenship of, uh, of these voters? Well,
2: I can tell you that <clears throat> my good friend Ann Rodriguez down in Tucson, uh, Pima County, which is the second biggest county. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're far smaller than Maricopa County. We've got two-thirds of the voters in the state right. here in the metro Phoenix area. Uh, but but Ann is still uh, using the same procedure that uh, my predecessor was using here in Maricopa County. Um, there's some of the other uh, county recorders are uh, proceeding much more cautiously than I have um and and i don't blame them it is a it is a hostile place for folks who are just trying to do the right thing and up until now uh it's been difficult in arizona to be able to to look out on the landscape and say gosh we should be um using a different kind of a procedure and most of the time in arizona and here's the difficulty you know democrats are 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 are, and this is a political thing. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing commonsensical about the other side's argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing reasonable or legal about their argument, any, either this, all of the pushback that I'm getting is political, and and there's no question in my mind that that's where it's coming from. But because this is or was such a red state, anyone who wanted to push back against these sorts of things had to be super cautious and had to work very carefully behind the scenes and negotiate and do all this other stuff. Well, guess what? I got elected to challenge the status quo. I got elected because my predecessor hadn't done what the people wanted her to do. And that's what democracy is about, holding elected officials accountable. And so I came in, I saw some citizens not being treated justly Mm -hmm. from my perspective, and I decided to change a policy. Now, whether or not they're making their determinations in other counties based on politics, as I am am, am saying, mm-hmm. uh, or based on they've just kind of had their, uh, you know, their stuff handed to them once or twice, that's, I'm guessing, I'm totally guessing, I don't know, I can't tell you what their motives are. I think uh, a lot of them have just seen a lot of these kinds of efforts get beaten back pretty severely. Mm. And by the way, you know, I'm taking a chance here because the state legislature, in Arizona is notorious, notorious for going after folks uh, who are willing to go against the grain. And I have an enormous political target on my back now, but I'll tell you what, as long as I can register voters, as long as I can get a policy going here uh, that is going to act for the constitutional rights of American citizens, they're going to have a really tough time against this. And so, I'm going to keep moving forward. I'll let the other independently elected constitutional officers, which they are, uh, as am I, I'll let them make their own policy determinations based on what they want to do. I would love to cooperate with them, uh, but, you know, at this stage of the game, I saw an injustice. I couldn't just stand by and let it keep happening. And so, literally a couple of months ago, we started the conversation about, how do we change this? How do we fix it? And Lo and behold, all I had to do was say, "Let's get the research done and 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 get this thing going."
0: I've got uh, just a few minutes here. Uh, I got some other things I want to ask you about. I'm speaking with Adrian Fontes, the uh, Maricopa County, Arizona. Recorder, that's uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, so you mentioned that there may be more than fifty-eight thousand. How many? How many voters have been denied their right to uh, vote? Le- otherwise, legal voters have been denied their right to vote in uh, in Phoenix, in Maricopa, at this point, or even around the state. Have you been able to figure out any numbers based on uh, you know what you're hearing from your fellow recorders there?
2: So I want to be really clear about where we're at. We're still in the process of finishing up the research on how many forms we actually had in boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this story broke before we had a chance to uh, get through every single one of the boxes. But right now we're looking at a total of nearly, um, it might get up to 91,000. We We'd always said it was under 100,000. Uh, so it looks like we're we're accurate there. God. Now we know that there's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 47,000 maybe between forty-seven and 48,000 folks who had to go re-register, okay? Now, here's the problem with those folks. They may have missed an election between having to try to register the first time yeah. and then having to go back and re-register a second time. And just the fact that they had to go back and do it again is a denial in my view. So there's 47,000 confirmed right off the bat who we have found had already re-registered again. They shouldn't have ever had to do that. They should have been given the right to vote, and a lot of them probably missed a chance to cast a ballot. So 47,000. Now, we're looking at close to 28,000 more who we still don't have research complete on wow. at this time. Is, is so is of, the, those, yeah, of those 28,000, uh, it looks like about 65% of them, based on a random sampling that we did, may very well be eligible U.S. citizens who are still not registered.
0: Unbelievable. So
2: take, yeah, take the 47,000 plus 68% of the 27, 28,000. Now, here's the other thing. Yeah. We are only looking at people who are a hard match against MVD. If there's a number wrong on the street address, if one of the names is dissimilar, mm-hmm. if there's a couple of digits wrong on a birth date, we're not counting those folks at all. Those folks we can't verify. That's not a hard match. So the numbers that I'm talking to you about are hard-matched against MVD.
0: Uh, let me, uh, like I said, I'm running short here on time, so very quickly, is there a problem, I, I described Chris Kobach and uh, the other Republicans have been charging for years, is there a problem that you're aware of, uh, Adrian, in uh, v- f- with fraudulent voting in Phoenix, uh, whether by impersonation at the polls or non-citizens voting? Is there any evidence to support those concerns? Nope. That's a good short answer. Uh, let me move on to this. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll no, tell
2: you what. At the beginning of my term, I asked the White House to send me all the studies and evidence that they've been talking about, right. proving up voter fraud so that I could help fix the problem here in Maricopa County. You know, we're, the, we're, we're, we're shooting for the third biggest voting district in the country, right? Yeah. We've got 2.2 million registered voters here, and if there's voter fraud, I want to fix it. So show me the evidence. No I'm ev- looking for it.
0: No evidence uh, so far sent from the White House
2: or or from Mr. Kobach or from anybody else.
0: Imagine that. Okay, I got to take a quick break. Uh, Adrian Fontes, uh, please stand by. Maricopa County, Arizona recorder. I want to ask you about What the hell happened in the primary election last year, specifically the Democratic primary election in Phoenix last year, that uh, even now Bernie Sanders supporters claim was somehow stolen by Hillary Clinton and the DNC? We will talk about that and more with Adrian Fontes uh, right after this. Oh, and Desi Doyen will be here also with the Green News Report. Don't go away. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. (laughs) please stop by bradblog.com donate to support the work that desi doyan and i do every day this country ain't gonna save itself but we can all do it together that's bradblog.com donate and thank you By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising. Yes, yes, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com, Maybe Phoenix. Maybe Phoenix is rising. I'm speaking with uh, Adrian Fontes, the brand new chief election official in Maricopa County, Arizona. That is Phoenix. Uh, Mr. Fontes is attempting to. Properly uh, register tens of thousands of, uh, of voters, of otherwise legal voters who were left off the rolls by the previous uh, election recorder in Maricopa County. Uh, also, uh, coming up momentarily, by the way, Desi Doyne, stand by. We will get to your green news report. Uh, but, Adrian. Many Democrats uh, have cited last year's disastrous primary in Maricopa County. I I think uh, that may be one of the reasons why you decided to run, as I recall. Uh, They've cited that as evidence that the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, somehow was attempting to rig the election for Bernie, or I should say (laughs) against Bernie Sanders. Now, your predecessor, uh, Helen Purcell, a Republican, she had been Maricopa's recorder for about 30 years, so the notion that she, a Republican, and the DNC were colluding somehow seems far-fetched at best to me, but what have you found out about what went wrong during that 2016 Democratic Primary in Phoenix.
2: The reason we had the problem was a series of decisions made by senior leadership in Maricopa County, uh, perfectly unrelated to any internal politics of either party. It was just really bad management decisions made by folks who are Mm -hmm. no longer with the office.
0: And that's so. Any
2: any 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 idea that this was. You know, Hillary Clinton's people had infiltrated Maricopa County's Elections Department. Mm-hmm. That's absurd.
0: And uh, that's, of course... And,
2: and for the record, yeah. uh, I had been, and, and this is already out there, yeah. I had been an endorser of uh, Senator Sanders uh, throughout the primary so yeah. but no, this is coming from a guy who supported
0: Bernie. I appreciate you saying that and clarifying that because I've been trying to uh, say similar to many folks uh, since that primary and I've been uh, beaten up by Bernie Sanders supporters as being a Hillary lover for, uh, for pointing it out but uh, good so I'm glad you confirmed that as well. Now uh, the uh, it has been uh, reported that Arizona and Illinois had their voter registration system hacked last year in some fashion what do you know about those intrusions, uh, any damage that may have affected either the primary or the general, and what has been done to protect uh, the voter database in the future against that?
2: Okay, so Arizona's got 15 counties, and we run on a 13 one-in-one voter registration system. The 13 smaller counties have a unified system uh, administered by the Secretary of State called Power Profile. Maricopa and Pima counties, the two big counties, we have our own internal systems that were created in-house. I understand that there may have been something happening to one of the other counties in Arizona. Uh Uh, I just recall a story about something. But Maricopa County's voter registration system and or election systems were not hacked at all last year. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that notwithstanding, uh, we have, since I took over, taken some significant precautions. Uh, We're working with our Office of Enterprise uh, Technology uh, at the county level, Uh, here inside of our own office with our own IT department uh, to initiate some much more significant and robust security protocols that were not in place before I got into office, and uh, we're going to be spending a good chunk of change on that. Uh, And once we've got everything in place uh, and we're ready to rock and roll uh, and make some announcements about that, uh, you'll probably be hearing something about that. But Maricopa County proper... And our election systems and our voter registration systems uh, have uh, have withstood the test. They're, they're in pretty good shape.
0: In uh, my last question here, a related uh, question, we have covered a lot of the concerns about electronic voting and tabulation system uh, and their security over the years here on the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, including in Maricopa, where I'm, I'm happy to note If I recall correctly, you guys use a paper ballot optical scan system made by Sequoia, if I'm remembering it correctly. It's now been purchased by uh, the Canadian firm Dominion. Uh, But there were and are many concerns about vulnerabilities on those Sequoia optical scan systems. They still use computers to report the results. Uh, So what sort of public manual tabulation do you plan, Adrian Fontes, uh, to use, if any, to help the public gain uh, confidence in the reported results of uh, of Maricopa elections out there?
2: Well, we've been running for a long, long time uh, our audits, and the audits are uh, very rarely, if ever, have anything but the least sort of deviance from the actual results. Uh, and as, as I understand, it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very solid track record going back uh, a couple of decades. Uh, so if the audits uh, that have been performed in a variety of different elections, including in, in when we've had recounts and things of this nature, uh, the results of uh, almost always uh, from the paper audits uh, back into the electronic reporting have been very, very consistent. So I have confidence in the current system as it stands. Um, there's been suggestions about switch into a lot of other different kinds of systems and, and, and things of this nature with ballot imaging and so on and so forth. Um, I am, I'm a big fan of the paper trail, the actual physical manifestation of the voters' mm-hmm. intent. Uh, and that gives me, it helps me sleep well at night. Uh, we are asking for some uh, extra staff so that we can um, make sure that we've got county folks uh, actually doing the tabulation. Um, while we don't have any loss of confidence in the folks from Sequoia or Dominion or whatever the company's name is now, right uh, We definitely want our folks uh, uh, making sure to be on top of and, and completely administering 100% uh, of the systems. And so we're moving in that direction with our current budget request. Uh, and so um, as far as all of that goes, uh, confidence in elections, I think has eroded because a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's certainly a topic, a much broader topic, I'm sure, for another time. But uh, I got elected to come in and shake things up uh, and challenge the status quo, which I've done in areas where I find it appropriate. Uh, This is not one of those areas, I'll tell you. I've got a great deal of confidence uh, in uh, the elections department and the subject matter experts that are here and were here before, uh, but where. Where I see the need for significant change, uh, obviously, the main topic of our interview has been uh, in one of those areas, Mm -hmm. but where I have found, uh, and my judgment tells me that we're in really good shape, I'm not going to change a lot.
0: You have confidence in that process. I'm concerned about the people having uh, confidence and the public's ability to oversee those results. Um, That, as you suggest, uh, may be a topic for another day, but uh, I'm very concerned about computer counts. Uh, You know, that are not able to be overseen by the public. And I have seen post-election audits that the type you referred to these hand uh, counted uh, audits of a small percentage of ballots. I have seen how easily gamed those are, particularly by election insiders not necessarily folks like you, Adrian Fontes, but there is a concern about folks like you and other election uh, officials and people at Sequoia and Dominion. And so to me, it's always about being able to prove to the public that the results are are accurate. So we'll bicker about that in the future. Have you run an election yet there, by the way? yet
2: We actually did a uh, a city of Goodyear election. It was a a relatively small election, 42,000 voters. It was a completely vote by mail. Uh, We're in the middle of a runoff right now, so we're in our our second election. Uh, And as you know, some of these elections are a little smaller. Some of them are are enormous. But I will tell you this, as far as uh, public confidence is concerned, and being one of those folks that has those concerns, I am inviting you right now to come down to our warehouse uh, to walk through step-by-step the processes that we have. We'll bring you into the room where we do the tabulation. We'll let you talk to the folks that actually do this. We'll walk you through a step-by-step of the entire process that happens here in Maricopa County. I'm that confident in the professionals that we have working for us and the systems and checks and balances that we have in place uh, that regardless of how anybody feels about a different jurisdiction, and there may very well be legitimate concerns, uh, you will at least be able to look on the inside of what's happening here. So whenever you're in the Phoenix area, give me a call, and uh, we'll get you down to the elections uh, warehouse and give you a peek under the
0: hood you may be terribly sorry that you gave me that invite uh, adrian fontes <laughs> but for now i think you're great and i want to thank you for what you're doing particularly with the voter registrations adrian fontes is the maricopa county arizona recorder uh he's new to the job but uh so far so good adrian uh thank you so much for joining us today on the broadcast
2: it's been my pleasure and i, I really enjoy uh coming on
0: thanks again thanks adrian Really interesting fellow. Oh, yes. Uh, I I like him, but we'll, but we'll see how it goes once the elections start coming in. Uh, all right, we have to, I know we're running late, yes. so let's get to it. Uh, Desi Doyen with our latest Green News report.
2: I think you'll see a, a market decline in solar installers, solar businesses, and people that are considering it.
1: Indiana governor signs bill to gut state's rooftop solar industry. Another coal mine tragedy, this time in Iran, Exxon ordered to pay 20 million for refinery pollution. Denmark moves to phase out renewable energy subsidies, plus, Rhode Island Town makes history as the first in the U.S. to be powered by offshore wind.
0: All of those history lessons and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And
1: I'm Desi Doyen.
0: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. You
1: can't deny global warming is happening
0: and then say, but don't call us stupid. That's the that's the little dilemma I'm in. What a stupid dilemma. This is your Green News Report.
2: Don't call me
0: stupid. Well, then don't be stupid. I'm gonna soak up the sun. Okay, Desi Doyen, speaking of stupid, we're keeping our eyes on the White House and their decision about whether or not They will become the shame of planet Earth by uh, having the U.S. drop out of the landmark U.N. Paris Climate Agreement. Just incredible that they're even thinking about it, but they are, and we're keeping our eyes on that, until that decision... What else do you have for us today, Desi Doyen?
1: Well, first, in Iran, another fossil fuel tragedy. At least 21 miners were killed and dozens more injured in a coal mine explosion in the northern Iranian province of Golestan on Wednesday. Rescue operations were suspended due to toxic gases that sent 25 responders to a hospital. Officials say as many as 40 coal miners may still be trapped in the mine. Here in the U.S. in Indiana, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb on Tuesday signed legislation to phase out payments to homeowners who sell clean electricity back to the grid. Unbelievable. Indiana's powerful electric utility industry aggressively lobbied the state legislature to pass the bill to end net metering on new rooftop solar installations. It's a tactic increasingly deployed in state legislatures by investor-owned utilities seeking to block competition from rooftop solar. In an interview with W.R tv in indianapolis one resident said the law is already impacting potential buyers
0: this is going to discourage people putting solar panels on their roofs and because of the net metering aspects of it i know a number of people right now who put their orders for solar panels on hold and remember these are the champions of the free market who are doing this who are making it harder to buy clean solar easier to burn dirty coal geniuses and hypocrites, all.
1: In Texas, a federal judge has ordered oil giant ExxonMobil to pay $20 million for violating the Clean Air Act more than 16,000 times over a five-year period. Really? Yes, at its Baytown, Texas, refinery located 25 miles east of Houston. Environment Texas, which brought the lawsuit over the pollution, described the fine as, quote, the largest penalty resulting from a citizen suit in U.S. history.
0: Well, they only violated it 16,000 times?
1: Yeah. In Alaska, good news for polar bears. The U.S. Supreme Court on Monday refused to hear a case on the federal government's decision to designate more than 187,000 square miles in Alaska as critical habitat for threatened polar bears. That means a decision by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to protect large swaths of Alaska's coast and waters will stand. Also in Alaska, the Natural Resources Defense Council filed suit in federal court on Wednesday to block President Trump's executive order to lift a ban on offshore drilling in parts of the Arctic and the Atlantic Oceans, areas that had been protected by President Obama last year. The suit alleges that lifting the ban violates federal law. NRDC and the law firm Earth Justice filed the complaint on behalf of a coalition of indigenous Alaskan tribes who will be most impacted by offshore drilling. Meanwhile, the nation of Denmark will soon phase out subsidies for wind energy because its industry no longer needs them. The nation is now on target to have all of its energy needs met by renewables by 2050. The Danish energy minister said it's a development he could not have imagined as recently as last year. The nation is now on target to have all of its energy needs met by renewables by 2050.
0: That's very good news. Good story.
1: Here in the U.S., the City Council of Atlanta has unanimously approved approved a measure to source 100% of its electricity from renewable energy. It's the 27th city in the U.S. and the first in Georgia to make the commitment.
0: Also a good story.
1: Finally, just 10 months after starting construction, America's first ever offshore wind farm is now generating clean electricity off the coast of Rhode Island. On Monday, May 1st, Block Island, Rhode Island, shut down its small diesel power plant forever. And after a moment of silence, switched on the new five-turbine Block Island wind farm off the coast of Rhode Island, the first offshore wind farm in the U.S. In a statement, officials said, quote, the silence was symbolic for saving nearly $1 million gallons of diesel fuel annually
0: Too much good news I don't know what I'm going to do Thank (laughs) you. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com From bradblog.com I'm Brad Friedman And I'm Desi Doyan And this has been your Green News Report
1: Good day sunshine
0: Good day sunshine Sunshine. I need to light. I do <laughs> But I'm happy to have some good news Happy to leave you with some good news Thank you very much for that report, Desi Doyen yep. uh, And my thanks to you, uh, our producer, Desi Doyen And to all of our listeners for tuning in today If you missed any portion of today's program You can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com My thanks to my guest today, Adrian Fontes the uh, new Maricopa County, Arizona, County Recorder. You can also drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and please share us far and wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the BradBlog. Also, my thanks to all of you who have subscribed to help keep us up on the air on your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Thanks for that. And I think that's it. Until we meet again, good I'm Brad Friedman. Day, good luck, world. I need to laugh, and when the sun is out, I've got something I can laugh about. I feel good in a special way. I'm in love, and it's a sunny day. Good day, sunshine.